0: Welcome to horror through her eyes. You've got the Taminator and amateur destroyer here ready to explore the twisted world of horror and prove that girls enjoy horror just as much as the guys do. And tonight we have our highly esteemed and first guest. The Revenant Vin from the Horror Cast, who has joined us for our first ever Book Nook episode. Welcome, Vin. We are so happy to have you.
1: Thank you. Happy to be <laughs> here. This should be a good discussion.
0: <laughs> yes, and Vin has his own YouTube book, BookTube channel, right? Does yeah. it have a name or anything, or just under yeah, your name? Yeah, Revenant
1: Reads. Yeah. Reads. Yeah, Revenant right. Reads. I've had the channel for almost three years now, so oh, wow. yeah, it's a lot of fun. Wow.
0: Wow. Okay. Well, good. <laughs> well, we couldn't think of anybody better to join us for our first book discussion, so... We're very happy to have him. Yeah, um, thanks, Ben. Yeah, thanks, Ben.
2: <laughs> <laughs> thanks for inviting me.
0: Our pleasure.
2: So, uh, we're going to get into our Fright Bites now. And the only thing that I've been watching is the new Goosebumps show that's on Hulu. Have you, have either of you guys watched that one?
0: I've seen, like, the first three, and I really like it. I haven't, but
1: my, my kids have started watching it, and they've said that they liked it so far. So. Nice.
0: Yeah. It's
2: I usually don't like, you know, movies or shows that revolve around teenagers. But for some reason, I'm really enjoying this one. I don't know what it is about it where I'm actually connecting with the kids. I have a sneaking suspicion it's because there's also a group of adults that, um, you're only three episodes in Tammy, but they eventually have to kind of work together and this whole like murder mystery unravels. Um, so it's really cool. Um, I love Justin Long, but his acting is pretty terrible. Um, but it's okay. I just look at his face and ignore the cheesy acting. But, um, yeah, I really like it, but that's all I've been watching lately. Well, that so It's I like different it
1: from the other Goosebumps, right? Yeah, yeah. Like this one
0: ones. is very, like, um definitely got a modern twist on it, and it's not, like, individual Goosebumps stories. They've kind of, like, woven, from what I can tell, it's kind of, like, woven into one long narrative, right? Just yeah, like, you instead, say, but- of
2: it, instead of it being, like, an anthology, it's one narrative, but each episode is dedicated to those first original Goosebumps books. Mm-hmm. Um so it's like, say cheese or die is like one of them, the and week, it's about the camera. Thing. Kind of, yeah. More yeah. like haunted item of the week or something. <laughs>
0: okay. But, but then, um, um, it's yeah. very inclusive. The cast is very inclusive, which I really liked yeah. from what I've seen. So, yeah. And it's a little – it's scarier than – scarier than, like, the original – I think scarier than the original, like, Goosebumps show. I think this is more, like, teen – I'm not saying it's too scary for kids or anything like that, but it's got – I think it's just darker, maybe, than mm. – I mean, I when I think of the original Goosebumps, like, from when my older kids were young – It seems like kind of a kid's show, and this definitely feels like it's a little bit older than that. So, yeah, I really like it. Yeah,
2: like, there's some, you know, cheesy teenage dialogue and comedy and stuff, but for the most part, it's also serious, you know, like, serious things are happening, and they're taking it as a serious matter, Um, so that probably helps, but also... The effects back when the original Goosebumps was coming <laughs> yeah. out. They were pretty bad, so that probably has something to do with it too.
1: It does make me think about what it must be like to be a young horror fan these days, and the mm-hmm. kind of media they have available to them. Oh, yeah, you know, so stuff true. that does push the limits a little bit more, better special effects. I mean, we had to use our imagination a lot because, <laughs> you know, a yeah. lot of stuff that was made for when we were younger was not very good. Um, even if we have affection for it, it just doesn't hold up that well. Yeah. Uh, but I think about the things that my my kids have access to. Even some just like Stranger Things. You know, I had nothing like that growing up.
0: Right. So, Unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Love that. Better first be season, jaded so. by
1: the time they get to be nineteen or something.
2: <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> What's
1: so you gotta get
0: like... them start.
2: you gotta get them watching, it. well Vin does, but get them watching like older stuff while they're still young, cause yeah. I waited too long with my daughter and she's just like, what is this? Yeah, terrible. <laughs> Black and white.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, that's Landon, too. But just to how like accessible everything is now, like even when my older kids were younger, if you wanted to watch something and you didn't catch it on TV, you like had to get the VHS tape out and put it yeah. in. You know, it was just more of a thing. And fast forward through commercials. Mm-hmm, you know? Exactly. <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: Yeah,
2: absolutely. Well, Tammy, what have you been watching?
0: So I watched this one thing. Have either of you watched this new movie, Leave the World Behind on Netflix? No. I
2: haven't heard of it, I don't think. I
0: didn't, I, I didn't know about it really either. Uh, Lena and I put Netflix on the other day just to try to find something to watch. And, um, it was like the number one movie. And it looked like, from the trailer, like maybe it was horror. It's kind of, it reminded me a little bit about, of like that, what was that M. Night Shyamalan one from last year with the cabin and the four horsemen come?
3: Knock, knock in the cabin, at cabin. Yeah.
0: yeah, kinda reminded me of that, um not quite the exciting exact thing, but where like this family goes to they like get an Airbnb, and when they get there, they're getting settled in, and all of a sudden they get a knock on the door, and it's the people returning saying, like this is our house, we were in the city, something terrible is happening, and um, like all the electronics are going out, airplanes are just crashing out of the sky uh like ships are just like washing up on the shore like they don't know if it's like a cyber attack or whatever and it's got Julia Roberts Kevin Bacon um forget what the black guy's name is I mean, it's got a really good cast in it, but I was – and I we were really enjoying it. It was going on really – it's really long. It's, like, almost two and a half hours. And they're just trying to – like, so they're all at this, like, at this Airbnb. It's Julie Roberts and her family and then, like, this black dad and his daughter, whose house it actually is. So Now they're all kind of stuck together and they're kind of cut off so they don't know, like, they don't even know if they can trust each other, that kind of thing. And then it has a really dumb ending and I don't even want to say what it is yet because this just came out that, like, took, I'm like, I just put two hours into this in this is the ending. And me and Landa just looked at each other like, you've got to be kidding me. No. <laughs> oh, no, but I mean, the credits started rolling and it's like, it was just, it, it, it's such a disappointment after all of, but it kind of had that same, ambiguous ending where you know like in Knock at the Cabin where like the end of the world is coming and then at the end you don't know really did it was any of that real you know kind of like that kind of a thing I don't really I don't want to ruin it but the ending is just so dumb and I was Uh just like oh my god so Still though, that's like seventy five percent really super enjoyable. So,
1: Still worth watching them. Yeah,
0: I would say okay. that it is. Just be prepared that like not even I wouldn't even say the ending that you're hoping for because you definitely won't get that. But like any kind of ending at all, just don't just know you're going to be disappointed. But watch it anyway. That's what I would say.
2: So. <laughs> I don't know. For two and a half hours, I might uh, <laughs> I might not risk it. I'm tired of these long movies.
0: I don't usually ever say that either, but I don't know. For this one, I would say still. Okay.
2: Well, if Tammy didn't turn it off, that means something.
0: Right, right.
2: (laughs) What about you, Vin? What have you been watching?
1: Uh, I've been watching Christmas stuff mostly, Um, but watching a lot of the good adult stuff. watch Die Hard, of course. I saw Um, that at
0: the movies. We went to the movie and saw it. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, it was so good.
1: I watched it with my son this time. Um, Me too. It was Landon's first
0: time seeing it. You too? Yeah, and he hasn't seen
1: a lot of action films, you know, so it was new to him. Uh, but he he enjoyed it definitely um watch gremlins with the kids uh my daughter she had seen gremlins too already because it's you know much more cartoonish um (laughs) not quite as serious uh but she loves gremlins too um so we're like okay we'll watch watch the first gremlins and she's she still loved that as well um it's okay kids
2: never catch on to the fireplace thing anyways
1: Well, I fast forwarded through that little part. (laughs) I'm like, Oh, everybody pause and get a drink. So we just kind of fast forwarded through her little, her monologue. (laughs) By the time she came back from her drink, she had no idea that I had skipped over the monologue. (laughs) Yeah. It's a little dark. Yeah. (laughs) Um, watched, uh, Crumpus with my son. Um, he had seen it last year, but, um, he loved it. Uh, we showed him just last night. Actually, we showed him, my wife and I did, uh, and in the apocalypse, um, oh, nice. he
3: had not
1: he had not had much exposure to musicals. We realized that because he kept breaking out laughing when people just would randomly, you know, start breaking out in a song. Um, <laughs> but uh, he also hasn't seen a lot of gore necessarily. We watch horror stuff with him, but not a lot of stuff with gore. So yeah. you know, he was seeing like heads getting smashed and. Uh That was a little bit new for him, um, you know, and I think that it was also probably one of his first exposures to like a slapstick type of gore, you know, mm-hmm. that's supposed to be kind of funny. So he was kind of trying to figure out how to take it. I yeah. think um but he already knew the songs because my wife she she loves show tunes and she plays that soundtrack like all the time so here he's like oh I know this song I know this song I'm like yeah I know because <laughs> your mother sings them all the time. Oh um, that's so awesome. So we finally yeah. got to see those. Oh I and, love uh, that. Last week my wife and I finally watched Violent Night. Um which oh, nice. I didn't see last year. Um and yeah we ended up we ended up loving it. Um yeah the first half I thought was a little bit slow. I'm like yeah okay yeah. this is fun it's fine but then the second half is just Yeah. awesome. <laughs> Uh yeah. especially when, you know, we start going into more of a Viking realm. I knew and it. Get a sledgehammer. I'm like, yes. Uh, <laughs> and then All the yes. it just becomes a fun gore fest after that. And, you know, just over the top cartoonish violence, Um, which was a lot of fun. So, yeah, my uh, wife and I just had a blast with that, especially the second half. Um, that's awesome. But, yeah, that's pretty much it. We've been watching violent Christmas movies. Um, awesome. So, yeah, it's the season, you know.
2: Heck, yeah. I know. I haven't been watching any christmas movies except black christmas for our other episode but other than that i haven't done any christmas stuff
3: I can't
1: watch the regular stuff, you know. My kids watch like Home Alone and everything. I can't watch that stuff yeah. every year. Like every other year, maybe I'll, I'll watch one of them, but uh, yeah, I can't. I can't do that sort of thing every year. Oh
2: god, me either. But I haven't even been watching like horror Christmas stuff, and I I love horror Christmas movies. Yeah, I'm not. I love that contrast.
1: Like, last year I wasn't in the mood for it. I, I I'm not somebody like I like I said. I can't usually watch things every single year. It's like every other year for me. Yeah. You know? So it's been like at least two years since I've seen Black Christmas. So I'm probably gonna try and watch that, or you know.
2: Yeah. Well, there's so many of them that you can kind of switch it up every year, too. I think the only ones that I do watch regularly every year is Black Christmas and Silent Night, Deadly Night, probably.
0: Mm. (laughs) I love them both. Every year I watch Holiday Inn, which I think is from 1940-something. But every single year for, like, the last 20 years, I watch that while I sit down and wrap all the presents. And yeah. I
1: think that's one I don't like. What? That one's got, like, Bing Crosby, right? Yeah. Like they go up to, like, Vermont or something. Connecticut. Isn't that what it is?
0: Yeah. Oh, is it Connecticut? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's my, my favorite one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I can't
1: get into that one.
0: Oh, I love Sorry. it. I haven't it's seen it. So good. The one I
1: recommend to everybody, even though it's obviously not horror, but then again, neither is, uh, Holiday Inn, uh, but it happened on Fifth Avenue. If you haven't seen that, you gotta watch it. I have not seen that. It's, it gets, the first act is you'll get a couple chuckles out of, and every act after that gets funnier and funnier. It's really good. (laughs) It's, it's a post-war film from, I think, the late 40s, maybe, um, but it's about a bunch of people squatting in a mansion on Fifth Avenue. Um, and it's, it's pretty funny, so. Oh, that, right, that's my right. recommendation. It happens right. on Fifth Avenue.
2: Okay. i have to watch those eventually. I don't have a very <laughs> big repertoire of Christmas movies. <laughs> yeah, Christmas I just watch anything. Christmas
1: Carol every year. That's the only one that I usually go to.
2: Oh, nice. Awesome. I think we're just gonna get right into things here. This is gonna be kind of a more direct episode because it is our first Book Nook episode. throw out the spoiler alert right now because we're going to be talking about this book um i do think that it's a book that if you haven't read it you'll still get a lot of enjoyment out of hearing about it it's not like we're reviewing a fiction (laughs) book or something where we can ruin anything you know this is pretty much factually based other than some of the author's opinions but um it's, you know, it's about Millicent Patrick. And the book itself is called The Lady from the Black Lagoon, Hollywood Monsters and the Lost Legacy of Millicent Patrick, which is by Mallory O'Meara, or sorry, O'Mera. And um, this, she started writing this in 2016. Um, and so there's a lot of Just actual facts about Millicent Patrick, which is really cool because there wasn't anything like that before this book where anyone dedicated any time, you know, putting together a biography or anything for Millicent Patrick. And she was mainly uncredited for the things that she had done. Um, So that's really cool, of course. But then we also get this other half of the book that is Mallory O'Mara's kind of journey as she's collecting all the information and data um, and what she had to go through to put everything together for us. Um, so if you're into Creature from the Black Lagoon, um, if you're interested in women's contributions to the horror world, especially when, you know, this old before it was like a trend at all, um, I think that this will be an interesting listen. What
0: do you guys think? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I didn't know anything. And I mean, I feel like, you know, I've been podcasting for years. You guys have, too. And how has she just never come up? And we've talked about some of the movies after reading this that I found out she had a hand in. And she's just absolutely, I mean, you kind of find out why we can get into it, but she was just totally whitewashed, I guess, from like the whole narrative of, and I don't know if it's just, I mean, we kind of get into a little bit how, or we learn a little bit how like, it seemed like her boss had something with her personally, you know, had problems with her personally, but I don't know how much of it was because she was a woman or just the toxic workplace she was in or, you know, why and just kind of like how she just accepted it, because I think that's just what was expected of women in the 50s. So, yeah, sure.
2: Totally. So I'm just going to get into some basics really quick before we deep dive into the meat of the book or what we think about it. Um, So just a little bit about the author, and this is all taken directly off of Mallory O'Mara's website. Uh, Mallory O'Mara is the award-winning and best-selling historian and writer of The Lady from the Black Lagoon, Girly Drinks, which won a 2022 James Beard Award, and Girls Make Movies, which is a 2023 Junior Library Guild selection. Every week, she co-hosts the literary podcast, which is called Reading Glasses. I haven't listened to it, but I'm a little intrigued. I might try and give a couple of those a listen. Um, She lives in the mountains near Los Angeles with her two cats, where she is working on her next nonfiction book. You can follow Mallory on Twitter at Mallory O'Mara or visit her website, which is MalloryO'Mara.com. And then a book description for this is that The Lady from the Black Lagoon uncovers the life and work of Millicent Patrick, one of Disney's first female animators and the only woman in history to create one of Hollywood's classic movie Monsters. As a teenager, Mallory O'Meara was thrilled to discover that one of her favorite movies, Creature from the Black Lagoon, featured a monster designed by a woman, Millicent Patrick. But for some reason, or I'm sorry, but for someone who should have hailed as a should have been hailed as a pioneer in the genre, there was little information available. For as O'Meara soon discovered, Patrick's contribution had been claimed by a jealous male colleague. Her career had been cut short, and she soon after had disappeared from film history. No one even knew if she was still alive. As a young woman working in the horror film industry, O'Mara set out to right the wrong, and in the process discovered the full, uh, fascinating story of an ambitious, artistic woman ahead of her time. Patrick's contribution to special effects proved to be just the latest chapter in a remarkable, unconventional life. From her youth, growing up in the shadow of Hearst Castle to her career as one of Disney's first female animators. And at last, O'Mara discovered what really had happened to Patrick after the creature's success and where she went. A true-life detective story and a celebration of a forgotten feminist trailblazer, Mallory O'Mara's The Lady from the Black Lagoon establishes Patrick in her rightful place in film history while calling out a Hollywood culture where little has changed since. And I already mentioned the other books that she wrote. I do think that um, Girls Make Movies sounds pretty cool. It's a follow-your-own-path guide for aspiring young uh, female filmmakers. Um, so I think that that's definitely something Mallory has something to say where she can make a really great contribution to young women. Um So I'm glad that that book exists. But, yeah, so those are the basics. And I just want to ask everyone – um, how they found out about this book and what your first impressions were. So let's start with then.
1: Um, so yeah, I remember when the book first came out. Um, I don't remember exactly how I heard about it, uh, but I did get it pretty quickly. Um, so I have a, I have a hardcover copy here. Um, but unfortunately it, it was on my shelf for a number of years, which is pretty typical for me. Um, <laughs> I have a very big, uh, TBR, which in the booktube world is to be read. Um I am right now <laughs> sitting in my office um where I have two bookcases filled with books that I have not yet read. Uh, so <laughs> the way that I do it is books that I haven't read yet are in my office. And then when I read them, I bring them downstairs and put them in the library. Um,
0: oh, that's awesome. Uh, <laughs> it is. <laughs>
1: it's like it's like my little ritual. You know, it feels good to move them to a different place. Um, and that way, if somebody walks into my library, which is downstairs, I don't have to, I'm not just keep shrugging my shoulders if they say this book was any good. Like I can actually talk about the books. Um, (laughs) you know, I kind of hide the ones I haven't read yet. Um, but that one was (laughs) staring at me from the shelf for a long time. Um, and I kept meaning to read it, but, um, you know, it's, I, I do have pretty eclectic interests, uh. And I do a lot of reading. Um, but it is sometimes more difficult for books like this to make it into my reading cycle, uh, which I'm trying to get better at. Um so yeah, when you guys were, were gonna read it this time, I said, Yeah, this is this is the time to do it. <laughs> um, might as well get to it now. Uh but yeah, that's that's how I first heard about it.
2: That's awesome. So I'm glad we can influence you.
1: <laughs>
0: do you always buy books? You're not a you're not a library guy, Ben?
1: Right. Uh yeah, I I do like to I do like to own books. So there's a few things that I collect, but I would say I'm kind of, I am a bibliophile. Like, I like the physical book, you know, and I like being surrounded yeah. by books. Yeah. Um, I like being in a room with books all over the place, you know, <laughs> on shelves and everything yeah. like that. So it's kind of, you know, part of my, my happy place there. Um, mm-hmm. And this, I actually did also listen to this book. Um, so if you, the audio book is actually read by Mallory O'Meara, uh, or Mara, oh. and um, she does a pretty good job reading it. But the way that I do it is I don't listen to books that I don't own, there's so I go back and forth or else I do immersive reading. Well, I'll read along to the person reading, you know, I'll physically read. Um, so sometimes i listen to it in the car. Then I go back through the pages, you know, <laughs> um, but I always like to have a physical copy. And if I like the book, I keep it. If I don't like it, I, you know, I give it to the library or something like that for one of their books. Um, but yeah. yeah, I mean, I hold on to most of the books that I, I read. Oh,
0: that's awesome.
2: Yeah, that is all. I'm the same way. I just have a big library, um, although mine is a mix of books I've read and not read. <laughs> <laughs> I like your system a lot well, better. Well, I also
1: I feel like I I overlook books too much if I mix them. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, If if I keep yeah. all my unread stuff in one place, it's much easier for me to focus on them and not forget about them.
2: Right, they're all like whispering to you, yeah. like "Hey, you yes. haven't read us <laughs>
1: yet." Yeah. Giving me yeah guilty looks. You know, yeah. judging me basically from across the room. Yeah. Exactly. Especially if I come home with new books. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I have gotten a lot better about not just like going on like book excursions and buying a bunch of new books. Oh, yeah. Even like, well, in
1: okay, the booktube world,
2: these.
1: you know, we we kind of affectionately call it our corner of booktube um, because it's a very uh, – the corner of booktube that I belong to is very – it's informal. You know, it's more chatty. It's not high production or anything like that. Um mm-hmm. you know, we we like it that way. It feels more like a conversation. Uh but we also have for the past couple of years, um I didn't I didn't create this, I just participate in it, but it's a read what you own challenge where you read a certain number of books that you own before you buy new ones. And I'm currently in the middle of a twenty five book challenge, so that I can pretty much clear a shelf <laughs> before I can buy wow. any new ones. And I'm halfway through that challenge right now. Um so I'm I'm in the late teens. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so. Yeah, and this book counted towards that. So,
3: yay! Probably in
1: about another month or so, I'll be able to start buying some books again.
0: Woohoo! <clears throat>
2: that's me. always fun. Yeah. What you about know, you, book- Tammy? Oh, whenever, whenever, sorry, I cut
0: you. Off. No, that's okay. I was going to say. Whenever Vin, like, you see him, he's posted another video. I always see him with this little pile of books, and I'm always so impressed. Like, how did you read all those since the last time you posted? Sometimes something? I know last
1: month I read ten books, and I don't know how he did it. Um, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm not sure. Like, sometimes. I can read fast. Other times I don't. I don't consider myself a fast reader, um, but I do carve out as much time as I can to read throughout the week. So, you know, awesome. it's, it's something I prioritize, but I don't consider myself fast at it.
2: Yeah. Oh, I'm such a slow reader.
1: Yeah. And audiobooks help, you know, so I can get through a few audiobooks a month, too. And like I said, I'm going back and forth between a physical copy and an audiobook. So yeah. it helps me get through the books a little bit quicker, especially if it's a duller book. I can still get through it. <laughs> Just by yeah. you know driving to the grocery store and getting some more, more of it listened yeah.
0: to,
2: um,
1: <laughs>
0: right? Absolutely, yeah, I know. See, I have I have a library of books, but they're the same books I've had forever, and I tend to just yeah, you're like, a rereader
1: right? I'm yeah. a re-
0: big rereader I
1: rarely reread. Yeah.
0: Oh, I don't know. I mean, this like and then this way, this is the book nook will be good for me because it'll force me to like get out of those same twenty books that I've reread yeah. throughout <laughs> my whole entire life. You know. Well,
1: I have the library, so I pull books. from the shelves a lot, and I look through them again. But I rarely sit down and read a book cover to cover again. You know, it has happened. It just doesn't happen very often. Just because yeah. I mean, I'm I'm too I'm I guess I'm just too curious about other things. I want to keep you know, yeah. <laughs> keep looking for things. But
2: I don't know. Yeah, I like <laughs> that with books and movies. I'm not a big rewatcher or a rereader. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm a huge rewatcher too. I I think I like I like what I like, and that it is by those things that I judge everything else. You know, yeah. and it's <laughs> but then I tell myself it's like Tammy. There was a first time you read that book and there was the first time you saw that movie you need to try some you know yeah. other things but like in the podcasting think. yeah <laughs> podcasting <laughs> forces me definitely to watch some things uh Hagazusa, i'm talking to you that i wouldn't yeah. normally <laughs> watch you know mm-hmm. but yeah okay so as far as this um I didn't know anything about it till Jessica announced that I would be reading it this month. So I was like, okay, (laughs) because it sounded good and um, sounded very interesting. Um, I don't know how much I really connected with it. I was talking to you guys ahead of time. Like I felt like there was two books here and I really loved the Millicent story and was kind of put off by the Mallory narrative. And we can get into that a little bit more kind of why. But um, so I kind of found myself kind of glossing through, after a while, like maybe about halfway through, I found myself kind of really kind of glossing through the Mallory part, but, you know, just taking in everything about Millicent. I think her, I mean, what a fascinating life she had. I just picture her like in this mid-century modern house with all of her great clothes and all able to draw like that and just the people that she knew and the kind of life that she had. I mean, my gosh, if I could be anybody, I would want to be her just to have been one of the first Disney animators, you know, like she just achieved so many so many things that I would be happy to achieve just one of you know what I mean so I think she had a really fascinating life. I just don't know that the author was necessarily for me so
1: yeah I can sympathize with a bit of what you're saying there yeah
0: yeah
2: well I actually found out about this book because Tammy kind of picked our unknowingly picked kind of like the what what are we calling it the mission statement of her podcast because you found this quote from this book online. And we kind of yeah. like use that quote to kind of like structure our podcast around it. So I thought, hey, we are going to do a book nook, you know, series on here. So maybe that should be the first book. And so I didn't know about it until you had found that quote. So, um yeah, I've I feel a lot of the same ways that you do, which we can get into pretty soon here um but i am really glad that this book exists just because like i was saying earlier nobody else had put in that work that leg like, work to get millicent patrick known um and i know we covered some of the creature movies i think last year on uh the horror cast and so i had found out about millicent patrick at that point um just when i was looking up facts about creature from the black lagoon but i don't know even if that would have been updated for me to figure out if this book hadn't come out. Because it sounds like she was pretty much uncredited um yeah. by most people. So I don't know. Like, did this book come out and then somebody updated the IMDb at that point, And then <laughs> I was able to see that fact when we (laughs) had the creature movies, like if we had watched these a few years earlier, you know, and I had been looking up facts like it might have not been there. So I think that that wouldn't
0: surprise me. I don't I just feel like I mean, look how much how hard of a time she even had finding some information. And she was really I mean, she had, you know, context in the industry and everything. I just kind of feel like. Yes, I I I found that one solitary quote from her. However, I feel kind of like that quote comes off really well and I think it's a really good mission statement for what we're trying to do here, but unfortunately, as I got to see a see a little bit bigger picture of Mallory, I don't know maybe that that quote is quite what I thought that it was. And I almost feel like, I am I also am thankful that this book exists, but she, if she had she just written the biography part, I think she would have made a great contribution. But I think she shoots herself in the foot with the way she handles everything else, that it, you know, the, how she's trying to portray women and put women forward. I feel like a lot of things that she does and says in her part of the story uh, kind of feed into some of that, those, like, why people think. The things that they do about women, you know, so I was just really disappointed with that. Like, I, I don't I'm not sorry that I picked that, you know, quote. I think it's a great quote, but I just not, you know, maybe the the source of it wasn't quite what I thought it was going to be. So, yeah.
2: well, I think the quote itself is still really good and still has legs to stand yep. on. And I think I'll just read it really quick in case people don't know what we're talking about, because I think we only brought it up in the first episode. But it's that women are the most important part of horror because, by and large, women are the ones that horror happens to. Women have to endure it, fight it, survive it in the movies and in real life. They're at risk of an attack from real life monsters. In America, a woman is assaulted every nine seconds.
0: Oh, yeah, and, that's true.
2: Yeah. I mean, part of that is just a fact. You know what I mean? True. Um, yeah. I do feel like she is very opinionated and that a lot of this book is kind of dripping with her opinions. And I feel like a lot of times she makes assumptions. Um, uh, especially a, on, a
0: lot of times she makes assumptions.
2: Like <laughs> even just on behalf of Millicent. Which yes.
0: I or found myself was, going how what, how would you know how How she would felt? you know that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. I I feel like there I mean we talked about how this book is kind of two parts, right? You have the biography of Millicent Patrick, um, and you also have Mally Romero's kind of her memoir slash personal essay of her investigation. But I think there's a third part really, and that is her diatribe against mm-hmm. sexism and the patriarchy in the entertainment industry. And that, excuse me, kind of feels like a third rail in a lot of ways for this. And sometimes we get stuck on that rail and we keep going back to it. <laughs> <laughs> and those mm-hmm. are one of the times where I'm like, okay, I get it. Yes. Uh, you yeah. know, it it felt to me at times when she would do that, where I felt like she had to keep convincing either us or herself ho- of why, of why Millicent's story was important. You know, exactly. like this yeah. is why I'm talking about this woman who worked for a fairly short period of time in Hollywood. Right, instead of in just In the late 40s, her... 1950s. Right. Like because it, instead of letting it, her career speak right, for itself. It's representative yeah. of this whole larger issue that we're still dealing with. And uh, I do think that, you know, you know, I, I can get into more detail later, but I, especially at the end of the book, I thought she's got to get unhinged um, and really went off the rails uh, <laughs> and left a bad taste in my mouth, Yeah, you know, especially as I was reading it. And I'll get into yep. that, I guess, when we get more into our dislikes more further. Um, but, yeah, you know, I think there's that. And I, I just I take a little bit of issue with. Because even in the description that you just read, Jessica, it says that, um, you know, that uh, she had disappeared from film history. But Mallory mm-hmm. O'Meara, in the very beginning of the book, she talks about how she has a tattoo of Mills and Patrick. And somebody commented on the tattoo, and that's what gave her the idea to write the book. You know, right. people who disappear from film history don't have tattoos of their likeness on other people's bodies. You know, so like Millicent Patrick, she wasn't she didn't disappear. You know, she even talks, I think, at one point about how after Bud Westmore dies, she gives interviews about her her, you know, her contribution and how she designed the creature. You know, I think she did it like Famous Monsters magazine or something like that. Um, it, I think the the whole issue came down to people dismissing her, you know, and right. not believing her in that. And that's, I think, one of the things that I wish that, you know, I'm sorry, I know I'm bouncing back and forth here, but I'll forget if I don't say it. <laughs> oh, you're um, good. That I wish that um, O'Mara had done better with is presenting the other side's argument in a clear mm-hmm. way. And then debunking it because she's very dismissive of it and just kind of dismisses it as sexism. You know, it's like some people think that she was just somebody's girlfriend, and basically she's saying, you know, they only think that because she's sexist. But I'm like, I think, you know, I think we can do a more thorough job of investigating what they're saying and making sure that we debunk it because I don't feel like I really understood why some people were dismissive. Um, I don't know if that makes sense, but it's. No, it does make sense.
2: It's like either do more actual research so you can actually. Debunk this or don't make all these assumptions. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. You know, of like yeah. what other people are thinking or feeling or doing when you don't have anything to back that up necessarily.
1: Yeah. The, a lot of that stuff, I think, ends up feeling like filler. Um, yeah. I, I was worried in the beginning of the book when we hear so much about Omera, and then we get into a long history of Hearst Castle. And mm-hmm. I'm like, Where, where's Millicent? Like, yep. when are we going to yep. get to her? And I was he, getting worried in the beginning of the book. I'm like, did she find enough information to write a biography <laughs> about this woman? Right. You know, I was really <laughs> getting worried that it was going to be a lot of filler in here and I do think that she ends up getting enough for a biography but it does feel like we also have a lot of filler um yes you know I, I agree I am somebody who does enjoy travel writing so I don't mind some of those areas where Omera's talking about her investigation you know just because it's the kind of writing that I don't yeah. really mind reading but it did feel overindulgent at that time long descriptions of the building that she's in or you know you just don't need that kind of setup <laughs> necessarily for uh, for some of the things that she was talking about um but yes yeah, so I think I'm, I'm kind of where, where tammy is when she was talking about how you know, I I really like the parts about Millicent and Patrick, um, and sometimes I wish that, you know, or I felt that we we spent too much time away from her at times.
0: I kind of thought like I was disappointed in the fact that I felt like she this book by the cover and when you're kind of reading it you feel like you're going to get the story about Millicent Patrick nowhere does it tell you that you are in for you know Mallory O'Meara's blog or whatever this is you know (laughs) I feel like I was promised like she's like oh here's a story of Millicent Patrick but she was really uh you know like um taking me prisoner to tell me how she feels about the patriarchy is kind of how I felt and also I mean I'm a medical editor, that's what I do for a living, so this felt like, besides of the misspelled words and the bad grammar, it just felt like her Instagram post or something sometimes in places, you know what I mean? It was just, I and I know I'm very sensitive to that stuff because I do it all day long, so stuff like that really stands out to me. But mm-hmm. I guess just from the book that I thought I was getting to what I actually got was just kind of disappointing. And she became so unendearing to me so quickly that, like I said, her part's, of the book i did like though like when she would explain when she just left kind of that other stuff behind like when she talked about meeting with gwen or when she talked about doing the Mm -hmm. research with the mormons i thought that stuff was interesting and i enjoyed reading that Mm -hmm. but a lot of that just i mean every bad thing that's happened to her and she i felt like she couldn't i didn't i didn't want to know about her you know what i mean like i don't want to hear all this stuff and I felt like she couldn't say a single thing or either she only chose to include men that she had bad things to say about stuff about or couldn't help herself. But like to say something terrible just about every man that's in the book, except like her couple of friends that she had. You know, it seemed like she only cho- chose to it didn't give a well-rounded picture. It seems like most of the men that she chose to talk about, be it in Millicent's story or, you know, in her own, they're all terrible. And I don't think yeah. that's, that's not the truth of things, you know? Yes, there's all those problems in Hollywood. I, I 100% believe that. I understand estrangement from your family. I'm in that situation. I understand a lot of those things, but that's not the only picture. And I feel like she left a lot of, you know, the whole picture out and chose to well, really go with the side.
1: It's like put, like, the, the crude remark that she got from some actor, right, about mm-hmm. her hair color sort of thing, mm-hmm. you know. But then to mm-hmm. put that in a story about Millicent Patrick, who we have no evidence that she experienced anything like that, you know. Yes, we know that she lived in a sexist environment. We know that she was at a disadvantage. We know that women did not hold roles of authority, you know, except I guess architect <laughs> Hearst Castle, um, you know, or <laughs> designer whatever that was that she was doing. Um, but you know, I I totally understand that, but it, you know, to take an anecdotal experience that is really, you know, of course it's a gross experience, it absolutely is, and it obviously left a mark on her, you know, but then to then project that onto the story of Millicent Patrick, it, you know, it, you, you you feel like you're mixing or muddying the waters a little bit too much.
0: Yeah. That's what I that's what I, was, that's uh... what I mean by... Go ahead. Sorry. I would say that's what I meant by I felt like she kind of was shooting herself in the foot sometimes because I think she had a very highbrow, intelligent story to tell about Millicent. But to bring it the story to down to the level of some of the other things, I don't I don't think it belonged. and It's just not I just didn't want to hear it, I guess, you know. Right.
2: It felt like wrong place, wrong time. Yes. Exactly. Um, which is why I was saying I'm glad that she wrote that one. I mean, I haven't read it. so I don't know anything about it, but. That book, the other books you uh, wrote for aspiring young filmmakers, you know, who are women, I think, okay, yeah, that makes sense based on a lot of the information that you put into this book, like have some other project where you can inject all of that information and even your opinions, you know, you know, whatever the project is that you're working on. But it did feel really weird to read something biographical with very, very opinionated (laughs) statements and assumptions and then just, like, personal information. And I don't want to say, like, well, you can only write a biography one way. It just felt very weird and disjointed and, like, filler, you
1: know?
0: But we weren't there for the Mallory O'Meara biography. I was there for the Melissa Patrick biography.
1: Partly, I mean, she kept going back to it. So this is a well that she kept going back to. And then at the end of it, she really goes into it and deep dives. And that's where she was losing me in the very last pages. Um, and it, I guess I can come back to that in a moment, but I felt, it felt disjointed in other ways too, the way that we would bounce back and forth. Um, especially when we go through, you know, where we're learning about Millicent's life while at the same time being told by O'Mara that she's having such a hard time finding out information, you know, where, so yeah. I'm left wondering, I'm like, so how the hell do we know this? You know? Um, and then at the end we find out that, you know, her, uh, Millicent's, uh, niece had given her like bins filled with things from Millicent. And then all these like answers were basically in there. And that mm-hmm. kind of thing, I think works like if this was a documentary, you know, or <laughs> but if you're writing a nonfiction biography, it's weird to put that kind of thing at the end, you yeah. know, and basically yep. kind of like trail us along about what a great yeah, mystery this is. True. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. just, it, it just, it felt very disjointed to me in that way. Um, yeah. You know, I, I didn't really appreciate that reveal at the end because I felt like I was, needlessly strung along (laughs) for so long about how, how hard it was to find information. Um,
2: That's funny. Yeah, that's true for this kind of a book. That is like a really weird way to do that. Although I did enjoy reading about that whole experience, uh, like Tammy was saying earlier, but yeah, the way that she left it for the end was kind of strange.
0: I mean, it could have been a totally different book image if she had opened with that, where, you know, she, uh, met you know was interested in writing a book about this lady ultimately ended up meeting her niece and was open to this whole world of information about her and then she could pepper in things that she went through in the process but it could have been this really what if she had given us a lot more that i'm sure she didn't give us everything that was Given to her by Gwen, there was probably she could have put a lot more pictures in the book. I would have loved more pictures. And just I'm sure there was just tons of information there that if she spent less time talking about herself, I think she had a lot more information about Millicent that she could have given us, too. You know, so.
1: yeah. Do, do you want to- should I just go into the, the end where she lost me? Yeah, sure. Go um, ahead. Yeah. And then we could focus on the positive stuff because I feel like we just got to get this other stuff off our chest. Does that make yeah. sense? <laughs> yes. <Okay>. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> so this is where she's railing against the patriarchy, right? Um, and there's this one paragraph. It's on page 306, which she says, White men have always held sway over the world of monsters. In film, they're the majority of the ones writing about them, designing them, sculpting them, playing them, directing them, fighting them. That needs to change. Millicent designed one of the most iconic monsters, of all time, but the creature is still male, played by white dudes. Everyone deserves the catharsis of seeing themselves crushing a building. Everyone deserves to see themselves with power, with terrible power and agency. Everyone also deserves to see themselves battling the creatures with terrible power and agency. We need female characters, asexual characters, fat characters, non binary characters, queer characters, characters of color, disabled characters, trans characters as both monsters and heroes, and the heroes fighting them. There was so much about that paragraph that irritated the crap out of me.
3: <laughs> um.
1: I mean, first of all, she says, you know, uh white men, you know, am I am I right? Uh They they're the, the majority of the ones basically creating monsters. And she said that needs to change. OK, a very quick look at demographics in our country. <laughs> all right. Uh, white people make up about 57% of the population, 57 to 58, right? Uh, so I was just looking at numbers, bare numbers here. Okay, blacks, it's 12%. Asians, almost 6%. Latino, around 18%. All right, if you combine all of those, you only get about 36%. So white people vastly still outnumber <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. our, you know, the population in our nation. Um To to say that the majority, you know, of the craters being white, you know, but let's leave out the, the white male part first second right just being white that that needs to change i'm like i'm sorry you're gonna have to change the entire demographics of the country then um (laughs) i don't don't think that the majority of them being white is what the problem is right yes we need more inclusion yes okay that's fine uh, but it's, 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 it's just the beginning of her diatribe that started irritating me. And then she talks about everyone needing catharsis, right? And she has asexual characters, right? Asexual just means that you don't have sexual desire for any gender. Like, does a character need to state their lack of desire allowed in a film to count? Like, aren't there Apparently. plenty of characters who have battled <laughs> yeah. monsters where sexual desire didn't come into play? Yeah. Um. You're and right, she, the phrasing
2: just like set her up yeah. for failure. I mean, right it's from like she's like,
1: throwing everything out the wall here right i mean you've yeah. got queer characters all right even just another quick demographic study okay uh according to a gallup poll last year four percent of u.s adults identify themselves as bisexual one percent identify as lesbian 1.5 percent is gay 0.7 percent is transgender transgender and 0.3 percent is other okay heterosexual still comprise 86.3 percent of the total respondents uh, i understand representation but when you're saying, quote, trans characters as both monsters and the heroes fighting them, okay, trans people only represent 0.7% of the entire population. And it also makes me wonder, is she not aware of how trans people have been depicted in, you know, or cross-dressing for that matter, in horror as monsters, mm-hmm. as monstrous? You know, I'm thinking of Psycho, Dress to Kill, Sleepaway Camp, Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. You know, like she's actually saying that more trans people need to be depicted as monsters. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's like her, her inclusion manifesto, um, is just completely <laughs> off the wall here. Um, and this is where, like, it just had me rolling my eyes. I'm like, you gotta be effing kidding me. You know, I, I made it. It's This is literally the page before last, before yeah. you see afterward, you know? And I'm like, yep. right at the very end, you, it's like you you show your hand too much, you know? Yeah. And you're, you, you just kind of lost me there. It's just, it left, it left a bad taste in my mouth because I was really enjoying the book overall up till then. And I still would say I enjoyed the book and I would recommend it and I'm glad I read it. Um, but it's just, she plays that that third rail that third hand you know that that third part of the book (laughs) that's Mm -hmm. peppered in there just too much especially at the end Uh, sorry my my rant here is (laughs) no
0: that's fine i like i like your rant much better but what's missing there from her diatribe is the fact that she's white and privileged yeah and she never chooses to At so much of what she's achieved is because she's white Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter that woman or not or whatever, she's already got the one up on all the people she just listed in her thing there. You know what I mean? Like, and, she just- and
1: she's she's absolutely has a point that women, you know, I think women still make up like half of the students in film school, but they make up a very small amount of people in Hollywood. Right. As far as especially behind the camera. And mm-hmm. she's right about that. Right. She's right that something needs to change. Or there's something wrong there. I don't have any disagreement with her whatsoever in that. I just feel like, you know, what she was saying, I think it comes from, it comes from a good place. Right. And she means well, but it can come off as naive (laughs) in a lot of ways, the way that it's presented. Um, I just wish I that too, she had showed more restraint
0: with that. Yes, yeah. Yes. Yes.
2: I think too, what Tammy was saying, how a lot of it's like kind of informally written um, plays into that too, where it's like, it's like when you're going to write an angry email to somebody at mm, work,
3: Yeah. you know, yes, and you do a draft
2: yeah. and then you like look it over and then you're like, no, nope, that's not professional. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Find a different way to, you know, or sit on it for a day or something um i think that that also kind of plays into making her look kind of look naive and like well, she, she crazy guys, what she's trying to say
0: she I'm calls just, guys I'm dudes thinking. and i think that just has a certain connotation you know if you're writing a book that's being published i just think and you want people to think well of you because you have a cause and you want people to think well of this person that Supposedly writing this book, sort of about, you gotta, yeah. there's just a certain literary sense that I think that you need to have that she doesn't even, you're, this, like I said, a blog, but like an email, I would also, is kind of like, feels like someone just talking, not writing a book, you know?
1: Yeah. yeah. It makes her sound younger. Yes. Man. Yeah. Or I'm not younger. Yeah. I mean, she is young. She is really young, but you know. Um, It shows her age, maybe, in that case. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not trying to belittle her. She's very, very smart um, and well-read. And I think she did a good good amount of research in this. And there's a lot of the writing in here that I do like. Um, So I'm not trying to belittle her, belittle her in any way. But mm-hmm. it does just come off as a little bit immature. Like, I don't think that, you know, a biography about Millicent Patrick is the place to have a rallying call for more asexual heroes. I don't know. Like, this is <laughs> <Yeah>. not- <laughs> You know, it's I not the time her, or place. It's there like she didn't, book.
0: she's not reading The Room is kind of yeah, like yeah. what it is, you know? <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. yeah, like she's, you know, she thinks she's preaching to the converted already, maybe. Um, but And like, you know, I am, right. I am pro-representation, but still, I mean, it's, you know, within reason here. Um yeah. Uh, but anyhow, uh, I, I think I've maybe exhausted a lot of my dislikes at this point. Um, yeah. <laughs>
2: I will say one other dislike for me, at least, was I'm going to now I'm going to sound stupid because I can't remember what you refer to it as. But, you know, when you do the asterisk and then you read the little note at the bottom of the page. Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah. Her little footnotes.
2: She like totally abused.
0: Oh, yes.
2: Footnotes mm-hmm. in general and also had a lot of dumb, unnecessary footnotes
3: yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: with more opinions. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, why are you doing this? I don't mm-hmm. want to read four footnotes on each page.
1: Yeah. It oh, feels like it should almost them. be called Mallory O'Meara and the Lady from the Black Lagoon. You know, that should be the title. <laughs>
0: yeah. but. Well, I think that her writing almost had a, a not yeah. almost, I think it did have a kind of a bit of a nastiness to it. And it's just so in opposite of the person that she's writing about because it seemed like, Millicent was really a pretty spectacular person who was involved in a lot of good causes. How Look how she took her firing, you know, with the utmost poise. And, um, you know, she just seemed to carry herself in a certain way. And Mallory kind, kind of comes off as the exact opposite of that. And by writing this book, she wants us to respect her as an author and have faith in what she's saying. And it just kind of comes off like maybe she might not be the person to not – I get that she loves Millicent and she, you know, admires her for being the first woman to do a lot of these things. She just seems, it's almost like a personality clash or, or something. I don't know, you know, and I'm not saying that I, I I'm sure everything that's in the book, I'm, well, I'm pretty sure it's true. It's true. You know, I think she did as good of a job. Maybe she's just, maybe she's just a style of of author that I just don't like. Maybe there's people that would read this and appreciate the, you know casualness of how it's written it's just
1: say, not my this, thing the the writing style probably opened it up to a larger audience yeah you know? if this was more academic, I bet far fewer people would have read it, right? And if she is kind of preaching to a certain amount of converted already, you know, especially like in the very progressive of the political spectrum, you know, um, mm-hmm. they're going to be like pumping their fists at a lot right. of things that she's saying here, right? And I'm, you know, I, I consider myself very, I'm very liberal, but I am i don't, I find myself detracting a lot from the people who call themselves progressives. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know? Um, I'm in the same boat. you yeah. like, so, become- yeah, yeah, more of a right. just by like, <laughs> right. just, the just because the other sides that. are so far at the extreme. I'm like, I'm yeah. not a centrist, even though I, you know, I'm liberal in all, the, all other respects. Um, but it, it felt like it was a book a little bit more for that crowd. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it maybe I don't know I almost dare to say like, you know, millennial crowd more. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm not that old, you know, in my <laughs> early forties here, but sometimes I feel like a crotchety old man, uh, this sort yeah. of thing. But, uh, you know, I, I feel like, you know, it, somebody who is maybe 10 years younger than me reading this would probably be wholeheartedly, you know, and I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, paint a paint that age group with a huge, you know, broad brush. But yeah, I think if you, if you know what I'm saying, just the way that the political spectrum is right now.
2: Yeah. Well, well I me- too, I think that that's kind of why, you know, I was like, as not into that style is because I'm kind of burnt out on all of that right now. Anyway, it's yeah. just the way people have been acting and talking Twitter and just like, and, yeah. yeah, and um, but she, you know, she started writing this in 2016. And I feel like reading this now, it sounds like someone just wrote it today. Um, yeah. Like for 2016, I feel like a lot more, this is a lot more like punk rock.
3: <laughs> Whereas, like, well, nowadays, yeah. it's
2: really like,
1: Well, I mean, that, that's place. the thing. I think why that paragraph irritated me, because it's so much identity politics, yeah. right? And we see, you know, we, we've seen a lot of forced representation in Hollywood lately. Not all of mm-hmm. it works. Right, <laughs>
3: yeah. Some yeah. of
1: it hasn't worked at all. Um And there's been some backlash. You know, some of that backlash is, of course, for, you know, maybe some bigoted or prejudiced reasons, but others, I think, is fairly legit. Um So I feel like Like, you know, taking her desire here. um, I'm not entirely liking the results when we we start seeing it, uh, the way things have gone. Uh, But I I think I totally see what you're saying there, there, Jessica. It's like it it was just too much identity politics right in that one paragraph. And we're at the end of the book. So it irritated me.
0: Well, had Me Too and Harvey Weinstein just happened? What year did that happen? Was that 2016, 2017?
1: Yeah, she I doesn't think mention it gets that in the book, the, does
0: she? I feel like she does mention it in
1: the book. Does
0: she? Okay. I thought she did, too. So maybe... It's been
1: about a month since I read it. <laughs> I don't remember. I mean, <laughs>
0: maybe, maybe, I mean, people were that, you know, the... She does mention the was, Me
1: Too movement. Yeah, she does.
0: Yeah, that was mm-hmm. definitely riding high in the zeitgeist. I mean, it was everywhere. It was, you know, it was such a, yep. a revelation at the time. So maybe some of this is, she's, you know, on the high of everything that was going on if it was written back then. Maybe I'll give her a little bit of a pass for that. I mean, it seems so so revolutionary at the time, and I think some good things have actually come from it. We have seen some change. So I don't know. Maybe if she wrote this today, um, you know, eight years later or whatever, maybe it'd have a little bit more of a toned-down tone to it. Uh, I don't know. I I feel like
2: when it comes down to it, it's really just like, Wrong place, wrong time, when I'm willing to read a biography about (laughs) Millicent Patrick.
0: Right. And I hope whatever this book that she wrote that seems to be geared toward young female filmmakers, I really hope she's toned it down some for them.
1: We've been talking about this book for a while now and we've hardly talked about Millicent Patrick.
3: Right? Yeah. Right?
1: So I think it's reflective a little bit of the book in a lot of ways there. Um, but I would like to talk about Millicent Patrick a little bit. Yes. Let's talk about Millicent Patrick. Um, some really cool (laughs) things that I didn't know about, about her. Uh, you know, I think, um, the whole Disney thing I was fascinated by. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, that was cool. I had no idea. Yeah. The fact that Night on Bald Mountain, Fantasia, she had a hand in that. What an awesome sequence. Yes. You know, and Mm -hmm. I, she she definitely um she adds some anticipation in that passage, you know, she's like playing with you as a reader a little bit to see what sequence she actually did. And the whole time <laughs> thinking, please let me let on ball mountain. Please let me yeah. And of course she finally does the reveal, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like definitely. that is awesome. Yeah. Uh, that is and just awesome. the way that the workplace, you know, operated and, you know, again, it was very, you know, segregated by sex in a lot of ways, Um, you know, and that is just a really interesting peek into the entertainment industry in that time. Yeah, uh, I thought that stuff was really fascinating. In um, totally. the Metaluna mutant. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. she had a yeah. hand in that. <laughs> That's pretty great. <laughs> it <laughs> is really cool. I know.
2: And I even love just the pictures of her when she's no longer working at Disney and she's just on film sets as kind of like a backup actress. And she's yeah. drawing portraits of I the know. actors. Yeah. And they were so like good. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. She's an
2: awesome artist.
1: Right? Oh, really. that, I know.
0: I would love to see more pictures in the book. Yeah. You know, or a whole picture section. I thought yeah, maybe just for, I
1: would. Or, get, yep. or something.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because you think
2: about how old that photograph had to have been and how good her drawing looked in it. Yeah, that's crazy.
1: (laughs) It makes me wonder what's in the archives. Like, do we have Mm -hmm. more of a progressive look at the creature design and how it changed? Like, that would have been a really cool thing to have, like, right in the center of the book or something like that, you know, Uh, to actually look through those sketches and see how things evolved um yeah. see some of the publicity material we did that tour
2: Totally. Yeah, you know, reading about, about, it, about like, that tour was
1: so Yeah, cool. I would have loved to have seen, you know, maybe some um, you know, some uh journalistic shots or something like that or mm-hmm. you know, publicity photos from that or um, read some actual excerpts. You know, I, I think it, there could have been some really cool primary sources in there that we could have looked at. Although I, I did appreciate the photos that were in there; it was cool to, to see that.
0: Yeah. Oh, me too. But that's exactly what I I picture in my head that Gwen's stash was because Gwen, you know, seemed to be her closest family contact, and Gwen admitted that she, you know, was pretty enamored with her aunt and followed her story and did clippings of her and all. So she probably has an archive going way back, and it was probably. Yeah. Just tons of amazing stuff in that archive or those kind of bins. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah.
2: Thank goodness yeah. for that family connection that Millicent was able to, you know, meet with her niece and then have this like close bond with her at the end of her life. Reading about that was really nice, too, since yeah. it sounds like her whole family became estranged from each other, which is pretty yeah. terrible. And that they kind of equated Millicent to, like, a prostitute yeah. because she went off to L.A. and was illustrating. I <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. thought that that was very bizarre. For sure. But I guess she grew up kind of sheltered and dressed a certain way. And then when she got to be herself and be a little more flashy and show off the goods a little bit, I guess. Yeah. Yes. Mm hmm. Um, I guess they equated the that, that she to was playing
1: Lady of the Night. Pretty, right, the fact that she was playing like pretty extras up until like I think her late forties. Yeah. That's amazing. Right. That's really impressive. Especially yeah. in uh,
2: Hollywood and especially back then.
1: Yeah. No kidding. It's insane. There was no there was not a dearth of, you know, eighteen year old, you know, you know, girls fresh out of high school that could have been playing, you know, those roles and the fact that yeah. she was still getting those sorts of things. Again, not necessarily because of her acting ability, it seems. <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> that. Um, but it's really impressive. I mean, obviously she, she kept herself, you know, in a good working shape, it looked like. Yeah. Um, I did, I did think that her section on the tour, uh, and Bud Westmore and like her, her analysis of maybe Bud Westmore's uh, motivations, I did find that stuff pretty convincing. Um, I thought that she did a pretty good job analyzing that section. Um, yeah. I was definitely drawn into the drama during that part of the book. And Bud Westmore yeah. does seem to have been a great a-hole. Uh, yeah. And it seems like that was pretty well known that he was like that.
2: I don't know if it was like sexist, though, because it kind of seemed like he just wanted all the credit. Yes, regardless.
1: Egotism, <laughs> narcissism. Yeah. egotism, narcissism. Yeah. It might not have had much to do with her gender. It might have just been convenient that she was a woman. Um, right. And therefore easier to, you know, push out and dismiss. Um, yeah. Well, I, I and- get the impression that it was because she was a woman necessarily.
0: And just how um the studios will continue to back people like that because it's cheaper to keep them happy, you yeah. know, at, at the cost of so many people. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess, you know, you kick out one artist, I guess you can get another one. But I mean, he did eventually burn himself out, too, and ended up having a very sad end to his life. But I think people, you know, if you're ugly on the inside, you're going to be ugly on the outside, I usually think. You know what I mean? And he just seems like he was just an ugly person through and through. You know, like a just, lot of them were. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, seems like a pretty vicious family. Um, I know yeah. of his nephew Michael Westmore because this is where my geekiness comes out again. But like he was, <laughs> he had a hand in a lot of Star Trek makeup designs. So from oh. like the next generation all the way oh. up through like Deep Space Nine, Voyager Enterprise, he helped to design like the Ferengi and the Cardassians and um some of the main aliens, uh the makeup for data he did as well. So that's nice. that's Bud Westmore's oh. nephew, um who I I don't know if he's still alive. He retired a long time ago. He might be dead by now. Um, but he seems to have been a decent guy. <laughs> so it seems like by the third generation, they were maybe no longer a-holes. Uh, but it seems like the father <laughs> and the sons were just absolutely vicious. Yeah. Um, but they kind of, that you know, Hollywood profited off their name. Crap. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: But that was really interesting to read about, too, because then it was like she didn't just get burned in her anim- her animation illustration job. She also got burned, you know, when it had anything to do with, like, acting and makeup and stuff. Like, what a bummer that it was so kind of widespread, their influence. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: It was so fascinating how, you know, and this is, again, there's something very cinematic about this whole sequence of the book, but how charmed the interviewers were as she was doing this tour. You know, and they didn't, you know, they didn't really care about Bud Westmore at all. Like, here's this beautiful woman, and she's talking about the monster. And it seems just so apparent to them that she was <laughs> the creator there, you know. Um, yeah. And then, of course, her not even knowing that she's fired when she's on the road. Uh, it Uh There is a very, like I said, cinematic storyline that mm-hmm. you see it there. And I thought Omera did a pretty good job with that whole sequence. Um, like I say when, when the book focuses on Patrick, it's really compelling. Mm-hmm. You know, it, yeah. it drew me in, it's well paced, I was really interested. Although we got we got a lot of backstory in the beginning on like Hearst Castle and like I understand that she spent like her childhood there, but man, it was it was a lot of background for that.
2: You know, I think um, that might be because um because she lives in LA, um, Mallory O'Mara, right? And I'm from Southern California and stuff and all the Hearst Castle stuff was very interesting to me too. To be quite completely honest, you
1: think it's honest. such a big local man, landmark for her that that's maybe so. why also like yeah. maybe she got a little bit caught up in the history of that just because it's such a interesting place. I don't know. Um, I think it, it, so. it just I mean, seemed there like was, there was a little bit of necessary detail, unnecessary detail. I mean, there.
3: Yeah, yeah. I, agree I agree because
2: it. I mean that the there was that section that came up where her father was also not being credited for his work on yeah. Hearst Castle.
3: Yeah. And then
2: Millicent like working to get him credit. So mm. it was good to have a little bit of that set up, you know, yeah. right, but um but yeah, they she did go into like way too much detail about <laughs> about <laughs> all of that, but um but yeah, still very interesting.
0: I thought Millicent's life was I enjoyed reading about her just as much even after she kind of left the Hollywood life. And you kind of went into her, um, you know, her married life and what she did with herself and these lavish parties that she would give and all of these causes that she would work for. And she would still draw and head a studio. And she just seems just like an overall just really dynamic, interesting and amazing person. Like somebody needs to make a movie about her life, you know, seriously. <laughs> It would be good.
1: Yeah, very sad towards the end, especially. But oh, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. She got Parkinson's, and her family still turned their back on her, and she couldn't take care of her house, and it went into just disarray. And yeah,
1: mudslide or something at one point. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, What a bummer.
0: Yeah, I know.
2: I started getting worried because they talked about her depression a few times and how. Her friends helped carry her through the depression. So then for a moment, yeah. I was like, is she going to off a yeah. something? Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so I'm glad mm-hmm. it at least didn't go there. And at least Gwen was with her in the end. Yeah. It's really lovely. There's really
1: no dignified way to grow old and die. So No. yeah, Unfortunately. Yeah.
2: But yeah, that is a bummer. Her and her siblings never really reunited. Um, she
0: tried, though. She did. Yeah. She tried. And yeah, I just Things don't. These
2: are just... Things were different so, back then. Yeah. I think if she's judged for living in Hollywood, I don't know what they would have thought of me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Same.
1: Yeah, it is a good look into the uh the mores of, you know, that time period and
0: mm-hmm. yeah, just
1: what was expected of people, you know, across, you know, gender wise and career wise. You yeah, know, it, it was really interesting. It was, it was a great look into it, a great look into the film world at that point.
3: Well,
0: yeah. too, I mean, how many more Millicent Patricks are there that we don't even know about, you know? Even some, not all necessarily female either. I'm sure there's, a you know, people that were just overshadowed and probably, you know, we may never hear about or because of people like Bud. You know, yeah. how many people did he take credit for, you know, by the end? And, yeah, there's probably more like, like her
1: it seemed like Millicent was also getting opportunities and not many women were getting in the first place, Mm -hmm. you know, probably because
2: she was so uh, charming and hot. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think it hurt
1: her. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure the guys appreciated having her around the place.
2: Yeah. Yeah. She sounds like she's probably a joy to be around and that goes a long way. Right.
0: Mm -hmm. Yes, totally. Well, and she
2: was a really good artist. Like, Holy crap. I do hope I can find some of that. Um, like the interviews and stuff that she did while she was on tour, I think it would be fun to try and find some of that stuff. I'm hoping maybe it's somewhere on the Internet now <laughs> at this point. I did do a Google
1: search <laughs> at one point. There are quite a few pictures of her out there that aren't in the book, but, yeah. it's, it's cool. like I couldn't necessarily – I didn't look super hard, but – I was hoping yeah. to find like an archive just of her stuff, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't part of your mission statement for your podcast is, you know, I don't mean the thing that was read by <laughs> that O'Mara wrote, but I mean, especially like, you know, showing that women, you know, love horror too. Uh Part of the, do you feel that this book is a good representation of that or do you have too many reservations about Omera's sort of view of women and the industry and in horror?
0: I'm afraid that, yeah, I'm kind of afraid this, this book is everything that I'm afraid people might think our podcast is if they don't give us a listen.
3: Mm, That's Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) And I, I, you know, I try to say every chance I get, I I swear we're not like that, but it's just (laughs) going to take time and people listening and, and, you know, stuff like that. I mean, yeah, we're, we're trying to be pro female, but we really want to be pro everybody and give everybody, you know, a voice. So I don't know. I'm just afraid that, yeah, people will think that's what we sound like or that's, you know, we would sound like her when we're. Podcasting, and I—I I don't think we do.
2: <laughs> really, gets the no. patriarchy
1: again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. But yeah, you know, if
2: you catch me on a bad day, like I might be shouting some of this stuff, but it'll just be to myself.
1: <laughs> Sometimes the patriarchy is at fault. <laughs> Sometimes it is, but right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And even
2: though can blamed for everything, that's yeah. not the place for a lot of her personal experiences. She still does have a background in film you know, Mm. and how things work in that industry. So it's not like everything that she's saying, you know, should be discounted or something. It's Mm. really just like, I keep saying, it just didn't feel like the right time and place for that. But I, Mm. I understand, you know, that you become bitter (laughs) when you've experienced something over and over and you see the way things work and, you know, it's not the way that things should work. So I totally get where she's coming from. Um, and there is a lot of aspects about the book that I did appreciate. And I did like seeing all those stats about women in the industry. I'm like, okay, these are facts. These are stats. She had to go through all these records to figure out all these stats about, like, the Oscars and stuff herself and do the math. I think that that is cool. Um, but it's really just kind of when she starts, you know, going off the deep end with very overly opinionated, you know, statements that aren't necessarily facts. That It kind of became a problem for me. But, um, yeah, and I know what, I know what Tammy's saying about hopefully people don't think that that's what our podcast is. <laughs> you know, cause when it comes down to it, it's like when I was a kid, I thought, I thought, That feminism, feminism was one thing. And then as I got older, I realized it was just wanting equality. (laughs) Mm. You know what I mean? So when I was a kid, I was actually like, I'm not a feminist. I think they're weird and all they care about is women. And, you Mm. know, and then I grew up and I was like, oh, okay, I get it. So, you know, it's really easy to kind of slide into that territory when you're fighting for something. It can get
1: complicated by like first wave feminism, second wave feminism, and you know. <laughs> yeah. How the, the goals shift sometimes, but, uh. Um, right. Yeah, right. It, I, I have, I see what you're saying.
2: Yeah. And it's good to be passionate, you know, about, especially if you're going to be putting a book out into the world, but it's just, you know, kind of <laughs> doing a draft. Um,
0: and yeah. then <laughs> revising yeah. it a little bit. Her, her presentation, I think, is is just the problem. That's all right. There's a good story here. It just yeah. got overshadowed yeah. by a bunch of stuff that just was putting me in a bad and, mood.
1: <laughs> I mean, I think sometimes her personal experience is valuable. You know, yeah. like she talks about, you know, what it's like in Hollywood and Millicent, of course, it's not her real name, right? And how she kept kind of reinventing herself and to have a a sort of Hollywood insider. I know that she's independent film. She's not like you know big wig or anything. But to right. live in that world where people do reinvent themselves quite often. Um and you know how Millicent would kind of she would like claim that she was like Italian royalty or something like that, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know. But um I think that, you know, in those instances, Omera can give some pretty valuable insight into why she might have done something like that, yeah. um, and normalize it for us, uh, especially for an East Coaster like me. You know, <laughs> who <laughs> you know, born and raised in Connecticut, who is not at all close to Hollywood. Um, you know, so I think that she didn't have to leave out all of her personal experiences i just think that it had to be dialed in it had to be yeah. had to be scaled scaled back so right
3: for
2: sure Yep. so yeah well, else? do you guys i mean i don't i don't really have anything else that i need to specifically touch on did you guys have anything in your notes mm-hmm. that you really wanted to bring up I think I covered it. Okay, great. I would personally say that I would still, like, recommend that people read this, going into it, knowing what it's going to be. You know what I mean? Because I still think that all the Millicent Patrick stuff is really cool. Um, I haven't looked. I don't know if anyone else has put together another biography. I don't feel like Millicent Patrick is a big enough person for everybody to be writing biographies about her probably. But Mm -hmm. um, so I would, I mean, I, I went through and highlighted a bunch of information in here. And I think for that fact, I'll probably go back to this book and refer to that stuff, you know, whenever I'm just thinking about the creature um, and trying to, get people into Millicent Patrick. So I'm totally into that aspect of this book. You know, I want to be part of the Millicent Patrick army personally.
0: (laughs) Yeah. What's good about it is, is very good. I just wanted more of that, of the Millicent that I was promised on the cover, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I would, I would recommend that people read it. Um, And I did enjoy it overall. I think that Millicent deserves to be known better among horror, you know, horror and monster fans. Absolutely. Um, you know, I would just be aware of, <laughs> again, what you're getting into. And I, it, it's not going to bother everybody. It, it definitely won't. Some yeah. people will absolutely love when she kind of goes on her rants. Um, it's right. just, you know, uh, it, it didn't connect with me necessarily. Um, even though I have a lot of, I have a lot of sympathy. I have a lot of political sympathy mm-hmm. for what she's saying. I just don't think that she's going about it in the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, again, that's like, that's the third part of the book. Um, but it is, you know, thankfully the smaller part of that book, um, that's in there. But uh, yeah, overall I do think of the book is a success and I would recommend that people check it out.
2: Okay. Cool. Well you guys want to try and rate it?
1: Like movies almost?
2: Yeah. Like I don't know, like, like we're on Goodreads a, or something.
1: Goodreads doesn't let you do half you stars. It. I know
2: it doesn't. It's really bad. Because this hard website is like me.
1: from the year 2020 yeah. 2022 or something like that.
2: Yeah. yeah. Mm.
1: And it's owned by Amazon. It's inexcusable how bad that website is, but.
2: <laughs> Agree. Well, the app's a little better. Do you have the app or do you just go on the website?
1: No, I use the app, but still it's, it, it could be better.
2: It could. It's been the same for like a thousand yeah, years. It
1: has right? been updated in like 15 years.
2: <laughs> okay. Um, yeah.
0: I don't know. At what if end, we were doing
2: it out of five stars?
0: Okay. all right, I'll go. I mean, I would give it a three because half of it is really great and half of it's not. So I'll go right in the middle with the three out of five.
1: Um, I think on Goodreads, I gave it four stars, Uh, which that's like something I will not mind at all having on my shelf. Mm-hmm. You know, like it'll it's going to go there. It's probably going to stay there for a really, really long time. It might never leave if it's four stars. You know, um, I don't see myself ever throwing this book away or, you know, giving it away. I think mm-hmm. that there's enough value in it where I'm going to hold on to it, um, and probably open it up and flip through it again and, you know, look for passages. So yeah. that for me is like a four star. Uh, so, you know, it's, I've, I've rated other things four stars that I like better overall, but, um, I still think it's a strong enough effort on behalf of Bill St. Patrick for four stars.
2: Nice. Yeah. I wish now thinking about it, I wish I would have written down the name of the gentleman who, did the illustration for the book cover because it's really beautiful and it really stands I think it's out. It's a really
0: beautiful book, you know, yeah. it looks yeah. good on a bookshelf. I sure. love that cover. Yeah. yeah,
2: and I love that she got her tattoo artist to do it. I think that that's really cool, full circle moment for her. Um, but I agree with Tammy. I'd probably give it a three out of ten. Um, out of five. I definitely out of five or three out of five. <laughs> sorry, three out of ten's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm used to it out of ten. Yeah, three out of five stars for me, which is you know a little bit above average. Yeah, because like I appreciate that this book exists, and even though. It's not totally for me. It doesn't need to be. Um, and I understand where she's coming from, you know. And I like Vin said, I have a lot of, like, empathy and sympathy for her. Um, and I'm just really glad that we know more about Millicent Patrick now. So um, – and also Mallory O'Meara – Mallory O'Meara, sorry – she looks cool, you know, yeah. AF. She does. Like I would she hang does. out with her probably. <laughs> yeah. Based on, like, yeah, the fact a, that she has a, a very book attractive podcast.
1: author photo, I will say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I she, looked at she, it a few she, times. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> she doesn't get mad at us for saying so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: She's got a cool Twitch channel and her own podcast about books and writing books for young women that want to get into the industry. So she's, all she's that, that cool. stuff is pretty cool.
1: She's a cool woman. I, I will absolutely say that. Um yeah. I mean overall I like her. Um she's the kind of person that I do like. I just think that it got too ranty in the book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yep. And who knows? I mean, maybe she if she went back again and re-wrote, maybe she would think a little bit differently about how she would approach it. I don't know. It is a first book. So,
2: yeah, her first book, you know, that she had started in 2016. She must have been pretty young at that point. So, yeah, and I mean, it's, still for writing a book. it's still pretty
1: good for a first book. It is. Still <laughs> yes.
2: Good. Better than my first book. That's for
1: sure. Yeah. Right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Perfect. Well, I guess we can just uh, get out of here I'm not doing our traditional monstrous mention because we have Vin here. So Vin's going to be our monstrous mention. So I'm going to let Vin give his plugs as he pleases, and I'll have all of his information in the show notes. So Vin, I'm going to make you do it. If you happen to have our shared doc up, I did put down a bunch of your information because I know that you forget it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I do sometimes. Um... <laughs> Uh, I have, I have an old horror movie review blog called the Revenant Review. Um, I haven't added to it in a long time. Uh, but if you ever wanted to check out older essays and um, reviews, that's some place that people can go on Instagram. I'm Revenant Vin. Um, that is mostly a place for uh, it's, it's kind of an extension of my booktube stuff, uh, booktube output. Um, I'm most active on booktube, which again, is just a nerdier way of saying YouTube about books. <laughs> um, but my channel is Revenant Reads. Um, I've been going for that, on that for almost three years now. Um, and if you are somebody who likes to read, uh, we do some fun events. Uh, this coming up is the second year I'm going to be hosting a year long reading event called Historathon, uh, where we read, discuss, and celebrate nonfiction history. And we divide the year up into four quarters, um, three months for each quarter. And each quarter looks at a different time period. So the first quarter is prehistory to Um, 500 CE, the next quarter is 500 to 1500. But if you're somebody who likes nonfiction, so if you're somebody who's likely to read something like Lady from the Black Lagoon, maybe think about joining us for a store-thon and reading nonfiction history throughout the year. Um, and on, uh, Facebook, you can find me in the HorrorCast group page for that. Um, I think I think that does it.
2: <laughs> all right, cool. Yeah, I recommend uh your old revenantreview.com dot com website too because I remember like when you first joined the horror cast, you know, and I heard your name and all your stuff. I went and read a bunch of your um. Would you refer to them as blogs or articles or essay? I don't even know. I'm not. Yeah, it's like cool essays line. and
1: reviews on there. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yes,
2: I was totally blown away by them. Um. So oh, even if they're older, I think you guys should yeah. go read
0: them because I have a bunch of
1: unpublished essays that I'm going to put on there one day. But nice. I just have to Ooh. stop being lazy and do it.
0: Stop yeah. being lazy.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> You're so not lazy. Oh
1: really? God. Exactly.
0: <laughs> you
2: watch. You watch so many movies and read so many books. It's insane.
1: Yeah, I think of myself as lazy though. It, it is weird. Um, I have way too many hobbies, and yeah. I somehow keep them all in order. And I have a career, and I have two kids, and a house, yeah. and everything like that. And yet, I think because I don't like go running, <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah, not you physically can active them enough. Running. You know? Yeah, <laughs> I think yeah. of myself well, as lazy. There's, but... there's
2: different kinds of lazy and busy, and yeah. stuff, right? Like <laughs> I work out, but. Then I barely read, so that <laughs> so just depends on how you can portion everything,
1: yep, yep. right? Really, so many hours in a day.
0: Yeah. yeah and ex- then exercises with his brain, not his yeah. leg.
2: It doesn't
1: bring the gut down, though. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta find <laughs> oh. something else for that.
2: Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm really dumb, you know. Really reading calories. Yeah. Love working yeah. out, but I'm definitely not nearly as smart as you. So there you go.
1: <laughs> Yeah, you can climb a All mountain right. without wheezing.
2: That is <laughs> pretty true. good. I can do that. Yeah. Yes, I got so
1: well, I can't.
2: So I, know, I, I look at your you photos sometimes of your
1: hikes, and I'm just like, damn, I'm tired just looking at these yeah. things. I don't know.
3: <laughs> How she get up that hill? <laughs> that is so yeah. funny.
0: thank
2: you i'll take that as a compliment (laughs) all right tammy you can lead us out
0: that's going to do it for this episode of horror Through her eyes next week we'll be reviewing phenomena from 1985 um please subscribe rate and review the podcast anywhere where podcasts are found join our horror through her eyes facebook group page email us at horror through her eyes at yahoo.com Follow us on Instagram and threads at horror through her eyes pod with an underscore in between each word. Follow us on TikTok at horror through her eyes pod and follow us on letterbox at horror her eyes. As we bid you farewell, we hope you enjoyed your time with us on horror through her eyes. It's been a blast diving into the depths of dread with you and until next time, remember to live deliciously. Yeah. Ah. Live deliciously, bitches.